Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Welcome to the second part of the cup of my life. And um, if you were with us last time, you'll remember that we talked about the Japanese art of golden repair, a funny, fancy little word called kintsugi, where something precious has been broken and it is so cleverly put back together and then the finishing touch is to give the, the cracks and chips a dusting of platinum or gold or silver so that the fracture shines and becomes an integral and valued part of the whole vessel. And as we thought about that, we also became aware perhaps of some of the cracks and chips and fractures in our own lives. The scripture tells us that we are fragile clay vessels and that we are knocked and discouraged and bashed around, but we're not uh, broken. And that we are vessels made by the potter who is God. So if God is the one putting us back together, then we don't have to be ashamed of the scars that may shine because they are beautiful now. And another insight around Kintsugi is that in a way, Jesus himself is the ultimate piece of Kintsugi, if you like. He was broken, he was restored, his scars are beautiful and he is the vessel in whom we live and move and have our being. Isn't that amazing? So tonight, we're looking at a different aspect of the cup of our life. And I thought I might start with a little bit of a story. It's a New Zealand children's story called Piggity Wiggity in Dad's Cafe. Um, I won't read you the whole story much as I would like to, but let's just say Piggity Wiggity lives in Wellington, and his dad is a chef. And Piggity's dad makes fabulous food for fabulous people. And one day Piggity isn't feeling very well. And so he's at home with his mum. And his mum says, well, should we go to Dad's cafe for lunch? So they toddle off into town because all Piggity's brothers and sisters are at school. And so it's a special time with mum. But they get to Dad's cafe and all of a sudden, Piggity feels a bit overwhelmed because he looks at the menu and there's nothing on there that looks like mum's food and there's nothing on there really that he can understand and it all feels a bit strange and the, the waiter whisks by and looks very posh and it, it's just all too much for Piggity and he begins to wish that he hadn't come. But his dad is looking through the window from the kitchen and he sees his little piggy son sitting at the table and sends out with the waiter a boiled egg and soldier toast. And all of a sudden, it's okay. And so you might feel a little bit blindsided by tonight. You might feel, oh, this wasn't what I was expecting. Um, This isn't church as I know it. Um, There are different things on the menu, and I don't know if I like them, and I don't know if I recognize them. But I'm hoping that you'll get the sense that your dad is peering through the windows from the kitchen, and he's put on the menu just what you need for tonight. So I just want you to relax and enjoy as the evening unfolds. Let's trust God knew that you were coming. So if we allow God to do it, 
God will prepare just what we need and serve it up to us. So I wonder if you would give him permission, give God permission to look inside the cup of your life today. If you arrived a little bit late and you don't have a cup, um, I've got three spare ones at the front, so you'll have one that you can use a little bit later. So if you're wondering why has everybody got cups, don't panic. I've thought of you already. Do you know, sometimes we resist what God wants to give us. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Even though God knows what we need, we're not always ready to receive it. And our resistance can take different forms. It might be just quietly disconnecting, switching off, a little withdrawing, tuning out. Um, it might be apathy. It might be actively running away. It might be talking incessantly so that nobody else gets a chance to think or that you don't have to think. It might be being defensive and challenging or just keeping yourself constantly busy. It might be ignoring or pretending not to understand. It might be being critical. It might be making excuses. We all have our little ways of holding uh, God at arm's length. But resistance is like a hand over the opening to a cup. Nothing can come in or be poured out if the cup is covered. And the same is true with our spiritual life. So right here at the beginning is an opportunity to become aware of our resistances and our fears. So actually, if you don't have a cup yet, now would be a really good time to get one. And maybe someone could help me out by jumping up with that tray. Could you do that, Vic? Thank you. And just... I don't think Kevin has one. I don't think Valentine has one. Um, that would be great. So here's a chance to sort of think about what, what my little resistances might be. So what might stop my receptiveness to God? It might seem like a negative way to begin, but I think it's just a good way of clearing the decks, to be honest. So, so I just want to invite you to, um, to pick up your cup, swap it out for the one with your coffee if you've got two on the go, <laughs> and, and just put your hand over the open space at the top of the cup. Nothing too difficult, just... Cover up the top. And I'll just give you a moment to sort of connect with and notice your own feelings right now. What it might feel like for you to be here. And just notice the... Um, what your resistances might be. And then just to think about how they might block your openness to growth. this cup is a symbol of you so picture yourself held like this in God's hands 
Relax your fingers a little bit. Loosen your grip on your worries, fears and insecurities. Still with your hand over the opening, listen for a moment to anything God might want to say to you about trust. Now take your hand off the opening and look at it, look at your cup, how open it is, how ready to receive. I'm going to read a passage of scripture. It's a, a way of praying with scripture really called holy listening. So it's not a teaching. We don't have to analyze it. It's really just listening for the bit that sticks out to you. It's letting your heart hear what it wants to hear or what it needs to hear, what it's attuned to. So these are the words of Jesus. So, yeah, I'll read it a couple of times so that you can familiarize yourself with it the first time. And then when I read it again, just listen out for that bit that made you go, hmm, what was that? And then just stay with that, but you don't have to listen to anything else. I'm a super lazy Bible reader, so it works well for me. <laughs> I don't have to read anything else after I hear the bit. So, this is Jesus after um, a lot of engagement with a wide variety of people in Luke's Gospel. When he had finished that talk, a Pharisee asked him to dinner. He entered his house and sat right down at the table. The Pharisee was shocked and somewhat offended when he saw that Jesus didn't wash before the meal. But the master said to him, I know you Pharisees burnish the surface of your cups and plates so they sparkle in the sun, but I also know your insides are maggoty with greed and secret evil. Stupid Pharisees, didn't the one who made the outside also make the inside. Turn out your pockets and your hearts. Turn them inside out and give generously to the poor. Then your lives will be clean, not just your dishes and your hands. <coughs> so listen for that little bit that maybe stood out to you. When he had finished that talk, a Pharisee asked him to dinner. He entered his house and sat right down at the table. The Pharisee was shocked and somewhat offended when he saw that Jesus didn't wash before the meal. But the master said to him, I know you Pharisees burnish the surface of your cups and plates so they sparkle in the sun. But I also know your insides a maggoty with greed and secret evil. Stupid Pharisees, didn't the one who made the outside also make the inside? Turn out your pockets and your hearts and give generously to the poor. Then your lives will be clean, 
not just your dishes and your hands. So just for a moment in the privacy of your own heart, stay with the bit that you noticed. It might not be a word, it might just be a feeling that's arisen. Just think about it and reflect on it. Again, just in the quietness of your own heart, maybe there's something that you'd like to say to God. And now's a chance to do that. And the last movement in praying with scripture like this is just to rest for a moment. Don't think about anything. Just let yourself be loved for a minute. You might like to just continue to sit there with your eyes closed and in that resting space, or you might like to open them and return to the rest of us. Tonight is a bit of a story night, so I've got a, another portion of a story for you. Some of you might be familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia, and some of you might not be. So, in a little synopsis, in The, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, four children are living in the midst of World War II in England. And it was a time when the city of London was being bombed, so children were evacuated to homes in the country where they would be safer. So the four Pevensey children have been evacuated to a rambling house in the countryside, which is owned by an old professor who's kindly but distant, and it, the whole place is run by the housekeeper who is grumpy, and the children are bored to sobs. Um, one day they're playing hide-and-seek and the youngest child, Lucy, hides in a beautifully carved wardrobe that's stuffed full of fur coats. And as she's feeling her way through the fur coats, waiting to get to the back of the cupboard, she doesn't find the back of the cupboard at all. What she finds instead is that she's fallen through the wardrobe into a snowy wood. And she's landed in a place called Narnia. She's crossed a threshold into a different world. And when she returns, no time in her own world has passed, but she's an honest child and she tells her, her brothers and sister all about it. And she's so excited by this incredible experience and that her, her eldest brother and her older sister are inclined to believe her because she's a truthful girl, even though it's a great mystery and they don't understand it at all. But the younger brother, Edmund, 
cannot believe it, despises what she's saying, and is really mean to her. You might have experienced something of this yourself, because what Lucy has had is a spiritual experience, and she's attempted to share it with people that she really loves. And some of them are wondering whether it might be true and are thinking about it, and then one of them is fiercely resistant and hurts her in the process. So we'll pick up with this younger brother, Edmund. So Edmund is understandably surprised, even shocked, to find himself in Narnia, not least because he didn't believe it existed. He's relentlessly teased his younger sister Lucy for her dogged insistence that her Narnia experience was real and now here he is in Narnia. Lucy hasn't answered his calls and his shouts, which irritates him, and he's starting to feel a little bit afraid in this cold, quiet, snowbound forest. Then he hears the jingling of harness bells and the distinctive pounding of hooves and the icy swish of an approaching sledge. It's driven by a dwarf and the passenger is a great lady, tall, white as icing sugar. And Edmund does not like the way she looks at him. What unfolds next has huge implications for Narnia and all its people and the nations of that world, but Edmund has no idea of this. All he knows is he is cold, he is scared, and when she asks him, what are you? He doesn't know what to say. So he stammers out that he's a boy who has come through a wardrobe into this place. And she, it seems, is the queen of this cold world and things take a terrifying turn when she leaps to her feet with her wand drawn poised to kill him on the spot. Edmund's heart is in his mouth but inexplicably she changes her mind and says then in quite a different voice, my poor child, how cold you look. Come, sit with me here on the sledge and I will put my mantle round you and we will talk. Edmund did not like this arrangement at all, but he dared not disobey. He stepped onto the sledge and sat at her feet and she put a fold of her fur mantle round him and tucked it well in. Perhaps you should like something hot to drink, said the Queen. Should you like that? Yes, please, Your Majesty, said Edmund, whose teeth were chattering. The Queen took from somewhere among her wrappings a very small bottle which looked as if it were made of copper. Then, holding out her arm, she let one drop fall from it onto the snow beside the sledge. Edmund saw the drop for a moment, shining like a diamond in midair. The moment it touched the snow, there was a hissing sound, and there stood a jeweled cup full of something that steamed. The dwarf immediately took this and handed it to Edmund with a bow and a smile. Not a very nice smile. Edmund felt much better as he began to sip the hot drink. It was something he had never tasted before. It was very sweet and foamy and creamy and it warmed him right down to his toes. It is dull, son of Adam, to drink without eating, said the queen presently. What would you like best to eat? 
Turkish delight, please, Your Majesty, said Edmund. The Queen let another drop fall from her bottle onto the snow, and instantly there appeared a round box tied with green silk ribbon, which, when opened, turned out to contain several pounds of the best Turkish delight. Each piece was sweet and light to the very centre, and Edmund had never tasted anything more delicious in his life. He was quite warm now, and very comfortable. While he was eating, the Queen kept asking him questions, and he never thought, as he shoveled down as much Turkish delight as he could, why she should be so inquisitive. She seemed especially interested in his family, his brother and two sisters, but he didn't know or care why. When he'd eaten and drunk all of the Queen's treats, he stared at the empty box and cup, hoping she would ask him if he would like some more. But she had him hooked now. She knew it was enchanted, and anyone who had tasted this would want more and more of it, and would even go on eating it till they killed themselves. She promises him a share of her kingdom, if he will only bring his brother and sisters to meet her at her house, and then, well, he can eat Turkish delight and drink foamy drinks from jeweled cups all day long. He will be her son and a prince, then a king. She flatters him by telling him how clever and handsome he is. He is flushed and smeared with Turkish delight, and right now he is anything but clever or handsome. The grip of his addiction has robbed him of dignity and discernment. She drives off, calling out her tempting invitation to come soon. The unkindness, disbelief, anger and fear that had taken root in Edmund's heart allowed the white witch to sweep in with false promises, intoxicating drinks and addictive foods. She filled his head with lies and set him on a path to destruction of all the relationships that mattered the most, turning him into someone to be feared and a traitor. All sounds pretty melodramatic, doesn't it? But let's turn our minds back to the reading that we listened to a moment ago and Jesus' wise advice to turn our pockets and our hearts inside out in a spirit of generosity, to examine our hearts. I think rather wonderfully this implies that we can make an offering even of the things we're ashamed of or that have caused us pain. This is how we clean the inside of the cup. It may be jeweled on the outside, but it's what's inside that really matters. So, is what is in your cup safe to drink? Is it safe for you? Is it safe for others? Is it intoxicating? What might your Turkish delight be? What distortions of your true self have you been listening to? What lies about yourself have shut you off from your true identity and goodness? The white witch made Edmund look better in his own eyes, but she might have made you look worse. So, 
tonight is a time for disenchantment, a time for false stories to lose their grip on us. So for the next little while, through until 7 o'clock, so there's 20 minutes, there's the opportunity to do a couple of different things. One is to take your cup and quietly and simply wash it. And as you do so, so there's two little stations over there where you can do that. And as you do so, just invite the cleansing of God to your insides. It's just a simple thing to do. On the handout, uh, there's a simple poem, and you might like to have a go at writing one yourself. Um, and there's also a circle, which could represent that space inside your cup. And you can write or draw on there the kinds of things that you feel are in your cup right now, or maybe that you would like to have in your cup. So you can do that however you want to. So before we move into doing that, so that's sort of personal time with God, and I'm going to ask you to keep silence through that time so that we don't interrupt one another's um, relationship and conversation with God. So it doesn't need to be weird or awkward. We just don't have to talk to one another for a bit. But there's a simple prayer, a blessing for a vessel that you have there on your lap. I'm going to read it once and then we'll pray it together and you'll have a chance then to go and do these different activities. So listen to these words. Remembering that you are a vessel. Blessed are you, loving God, maker of heaven and earth. Father, Son and Spirit, gather with me now around this cup one jar of clay holding another, inviting your blessing on what lies within. You, me, and my cup. May I be as open as this cup to receive all you have for me. May this cup teach me what only a vessel can know. May I learn from this fragile thing how to be holy. So let's pray it together. So, you ready? Blessed are you, loving God, maker of heaven and earth. Father, Son, and Spirit, gather with me now around this cup, one jar of clay holding another, inviting your blessing on what lies within, you, me, and my cup. May I be as open as this cup to receive all you have for me. May this cup teach me what only a vessel can know. May I learn from this fragile thing how to be holy. Amen. So use the next 15, 20 minutes the way you want to. So stay in one place, go and do the washing, eat some Turkish delight, it's not enchanted, and just enjoy this portion of time. Bless you as you do so.
And once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.